Hi, what the hell tech listeners. Um, I'm your host this week, Paul Johnson, and we're back here again with Ian Donaghy. Um, this is a podcast where we tackle some of the um, topics, challenges, best practice within health and social care. Hi, Ian, and welcome to back to What the Health Tech. How do you do? Okay, um, we loved the Pocketful of Kindness initiative and Radar Healthcare um, sponsored some of the books. Can you talk a little bit about it? Um, why did you start this? You know, what's the driver behind it and uh, your passion behind it? And, what you know, what what is the takeaway for people? Well, it was dead easy. March 2020, the world stopped. You know, suddenly the world stopped spinning. Um, Theatres were closed. Pubs were closed. The only place to buy a beer was, to get a beer was the fridge. Um, and everybody found out what colour their wife's hair were. Um because there were no hairdressers either. Uh, and so all of the ink fell out of my diary because everything I do involves big rooms full of, full of people. And I thought, I've got nothing to do. Nothing. I've never had nothing to do. I've always been busy. I've always done music from being 18. I was always booking gigs for next year. I've got all my speaking work. I've got all my, the work in care homes that I do, all this sort of stuff. And suddenly, I had nothing to do. I was free on a weekend. I, I, was, I didn't have to check anything. And for a while, it felt incredible. I never felt more free. And so I embraced it all. All the fresh air, all the spending time with the kids, all the homeschooling and, you know, maybe making my son wear school uniform was a bit tough on him, but there you go. Only did it one day. Um, and I suddenly realised we don't know how long this is going to last. Initially, we thought it was two weeks or something. And then that two weeks became longer and longer and longer. And normally, I work from a finish line backwards. I don't know if it's a control thing or whatever. I never did my homework on a Friday night. I dare say you didn't either, Paul. Right. It was never done on a Saturday. It was maybe done on a Saturday night watching That's Life on the South Bank show and then the bus on the morning with the bits you couldn't do. Copying off your mates. Uh, and I, I thought, right, I need to have a finish line because this is a race. We don't know what pace we're going to run and how long it's going to last. Nobody had any answers. So I thought within all of that, I need to have some structure. I need to have some control. So I thought, I'll write something. And then it gives me something to do that's creative, whatever. Now, I wrote a book called The Missing Piece that took me three years about how we cope with losing people. And it was horrendous to write. Because it's not exactly the jolliest of things, but it's a really important subject. My wife told me, after that book, the next book I would write would be called Divorce, How to Lose the Best Thing That Ever Happened to You. And so... I was writing in the garden and our bill came out and went, Dad, Dad, um, whatever you do, that isn't a book, is it, Dad? That's not a book, is it? Because we, we had to live through the last one. Is that's not a book. I went, no, it's not. I'm writing some stories. He went, and then my daughter came out and went, stories, Dad. Not stories that all joined together to become a book. Because seriously, Mam will go Spanish, Dad, if you're doing another book. But in the end, I said, right, I'm writing some stories and one of my friends... Uh, I sent them to him 
uh, Charles Hutchison, and he edited the hideous grammar and punctuation. And he said, these are wonderful. These are heartwarming and heartlifting, beautiful things. And so I said, I kept writing them. And I realised these are all just stories of my life, stories about Bobby Robson with my dad, stories about Barry McGuigan with me. So all these things, and they formed this patchwork quilt that suddenly created this beautiful, you know, cuddly, cuddly thing that made you feel warm and nice inside. And I thought, I'll publish it. Let's do it. And it, it got published and people were interested in it, really interested. And it gave me structure. It gave my friend Charles structure because we were like Bernie Taupin and Elton John, two blokes, you know, writing songs in two rooms. I never saw him all year. I just sent him an email and he just went, you really have scant regard for punctuation. You don't know. And, you know, and these short stories that were all a cup of tea long, I thought would be a lovely thing for people to escape. And so I illustrated it and put it all together in the right order. My friend Lisa designed it and my friend Chris Mercer, he just printed it and it sold absolutely thousands because companies have given it and branded it. You know, I've got it so any company can brand it, like Radar branded them, and it's given companies an opportunity to engage and say thank you and say how invaluable people are. In the front of it said, this book has been gifted to, and it says the reason why. It's a surprise. It's like a little letter. It's like one of those books you used to get for going to Sunday school, even though you hated going to Sunday school, but your mum made you. And But it's a lovely thing, and it shows people how much they matter. And it's just given a lot of comfort to a lot of people, and it's made me realise that I've, I do have a little gift I've got a little gift for telling nice stories that connect with people, that people can see their lives in a story, that they can appreciate something in their lives by reading a story about somebody else that reminds them of somebody. A number of times people have said, there's a guy in that in that story who reminds me of my dad. There's somebody who reminds me of my nana. There's somebody that reminds me of my wife. And that's a lovely thing. And then they go back to their wife and they'll say, there's a woman in this story who's just like you. Then they hand them the book. They go, in some cases, I've had couples. I got a phone call off a friend of mine from years ago. He rang me up at half 11, half 11 one night. I hadn't spoken to him in years. Ian, um, me and Sandra have just finished your book. We read a story each. It does my side of the bedside table. I read it. She reads that story. And we do that, right? He says, and I've just finished it. He says, I just want to tell you, that has been better than any box set that I've had over lockdown. It was gorgeous. So that message of kindness was prevalent during lockdown. I think we we saw the two groups of people. We saw the me, 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 me lot, you know, with the hordes of, you know, um, hordes of toilet rolls and pasta and just thinking, shall I just get mine first? And we saw the generosity and the selflessness. And so it just seemed a good time for the book. And so I wrote it. And I can honestly say, I don't know where it came from. It was my past coming along to help my present and my future. I had nought. I had nothing 
right? I could have really gone under. And I didn't because of that little book. And it really saved my bacon and it's helped a lot of other people. And it just goes to show that you reap what you sow. If you do nice stuff, there's a fair chance that nice stuff happens. And no matter how bad life is, if you do nice things and you treat people right and you and you you water those relationships and you feed people, you know, and you look after people, life will no matter its challenges, it will end up being an aggregate win. You I know you mentioned that it must make you immensely proud when you hear people that you know to feed that back. But then when you, you know, I know that this, this has been published internationally, you know, tens of thousands of copies have gone out. So this is sitting in people's, you know, tens oh. of thousands of homes. And then you have BBC Newcastle saying things like, if the world ever needed a book more, you know, so... That's you know, how does that make you feel? Well, it exceeds all expectation, doesn't it? I, I thought I was just keeping myself busy in the garden, right? Um, see, for me, the process was more important than the outcome. I needed some control and I needed a focus and I, I needed a finish line. And it was it was so so wonderful, and the feedback has been astonishing. And I got <laughs> I've just like yesterday I sent some books to Illinois, to Florida, to Tasmania from the post office in Eslington in York, and I just thought, what's going on here? And that's what social media does. LinkedIn, in particular, has been an astounding platform for a bloke who tells stories and for a bloke who call out things that are wrong and celebrate things that are amazing. I cannot believe I jumped on that train so late, but I just thought it was full of accountants, estate agents and solicitors just saying that their cat was blacker. And I never realised it was full of really cool people who want to engage and want to make a difference. And it really is a fantastically supportive community. And the pandemic highlighted that more than I can tell you. So ahead of uh, writing the um, look at the losing the best thing that you've ever had book, um, what's next for you? What's what's tickling, you know, rattling around in that head that you're passionate about that you're going to put pen to paper on? Right. Well, I've got a folder open on my computer. It's called Hello. And it's all about combat and loneliness. And it's all about looking at your life and looking at those significant hellos that have changed your life. Because hello does change your life. And it's showing you that you've got to talk to strangers. And the whole thing is, there's a lot of people are lonely and are isolated. And the whole idea of this book is to show people there's 7.54 billion people out there. And yes, some of them you won't get on with. But you know what? There's a hell of a lot that you will. Why not say hello? What have you got to lose? We don't just watch old films. We don't just read old books. We don't just listen to old songs. Isn't it great when you meet somebody that's new and exciting and you just think, wow, why have I met you? And that's a lovely thing. And so the whole idea of this book is if you are isolated and you are feeling alone, always remember the key to the lock is on your side of the door. Somebody hasn't locked you in. You can unlock that door. It's down to you. And all you've got to do is find somebody and say hello. 
and see where it leads. Because if you look at your life, it's just a series of really fantastic hellos. There'll be some hellos where you go, how are you, mate? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? See you later. Bye. And then there's the other people where they say, how are you, Paul? Oh, great. Did you watch so-and-so last night? Did you do so-and-so? You know, how was football last night? All these things. Then a conversation starts. And they say, oh, should we go out for a, should we go out for a drink? Should we head into town? Should we, you know? And all these things all comes from LO. Five letters. And we control LO. And we don't always control goodbye. And if we grab and harness the power of LO, I've got a load of stories, honestly. I've, I've, told, I've told a few of them and people have said, oh, that book is going to go daft. And it's just because... I've said hello to some really interesting people. I think it'll be a, a a challenge because in terms of, you know, hello, the, the, there's, I, I think the most overused phrase is, how are you? How's things? Yeah. And it's a throwaway comment. A lot of people don't actually mean it, but it's the way that you say it. I go back to, uh, it's Stephen Bartlett, the yeah. Dragon's Den, you know, and when it, he said to Jordan Peterson, write the thing, before anything, how are you doing? If I, if you say it in a certain way, then it draws a response. Yeah. Whereas if I say, morning, how's you? Good, thanks. You? Yeah. Done. It's non-versation, uh, and, it, it? and it hasn't drawn out the truth behind that, which somebody on either side might be really struggling. So yeah. I think you're right. It's about how we say hello. Yeah. And do, you, do you know what? I, th- I think the past two years has highlighted one thing beautifully. There are two groups of people. There are the helpers and the helped. And there are people who need help. And nobody comes to me thinking I need help with anything. And you know, I'm pretty lucky really. I'm 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 pretty much self self sufficient, right? I've got a I've got a great network of close friends, and it's a handful of diamonds. It's not a barrel load of coal. And you know, we all keep ourselves right and my wife keeps me right and keeps me grounded. A bit too grounded uh, for my leggings sometimes. But the helped know who the helpers are now. And the helpers know who the people are who need help. And one's looking for the other all the time. One's giving an eye to the other all the time. And I think that that's what we've learned. And if somebody asks for help from somebody... You're giving them an opportunity to do something really nice, and that's an honour. And if you can make somebody feel better about themselves and give them sort of relief or belief, well, that's fantastic. So if ever you need help, don't be shy. Ask. Ask. The number. I, I first went in, into London one day. I was like Paddington Bear. I was lost. I was like, you know, um, I was Billy Elliot who couldn't dance in London. And I went up. I went up to this uh, taxi driver and I just went, mate, I'm lost. And he went, who do you support? I went, Newcastle. I said, who do you support? I said, West Ham. I said, well, we're both rubbish. So, you know, and we just, and he just helped me out. And he said, right, you need to go there, 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 there and there. And I wrote it down. And he says, and on your way back, just do it backwards. And then... I went to Wargan House to give a talk for the BBC and he suddenly turned London into from the big ominous 
thing that a northern monkey thinks, oh, I'll get lost in that, I'll get drowned in that, into a series of little places where you just walk. And if you can help one person, now I'm all over London, I'm all over it, right? Because of him. One person can change your complete viewpoint on something. And that's pretty cool. So in terms of the books themselves then, I mean, you know, you kindly gave me a copy, which is, you know, branded up, you know, with our message as well. So genuinely, I I can't believe I haven't read this. So I I will feedback directly. So I have no excuse for that. But, you know, for, for listeners out there, how do we get hold of all of these books? Are they, right. Is it- um, well, my books are on uh, bigian.co.uk, which is my website. Um, you can get the ebook versions on Amazon, but get the paper book versions from mine because they're better than the Amazon version. Um, they're just a they're a book that fits into a, a handbag or a pocket, and they're a different size to to most books. And they're a different feel. They've got pictures on every page. Why would you not have pictures on every page? You know, I, I used an app to create that. One of the kids that uh, was in my home office inclusion unit, who now works in IT in Australia with a fantastic job, and if they'd have met him at 13, they wouldn't have employed him. But I have to say, he said, here's an app. It can turn pictures into illustrations. And all of my books have those. 69 pence that app cost me and they're in books all over the world and so people can get hold of those books you can get them branded you can get in touch with me direct uh, on my website or on LinkedIn Biggie and Donaghy and you can all you need to do is send me a high res JPEG you can have bespoke books a batch for your clients for your staff for your friends for your family to show them that they matter and it's a really nice thing. It's better than it's better than chocolates. It's better than wine. Actually, maybe still give wine and chocolates as well. Give them wine and chocolates and a book. And just see what it does to their face. Just see what it does to their eyes. Just see the impact it makes. Because uh, it might surprise you. I mean, for me, this is, uh, I'm the target audience because, you know, you said each story is a cup of tea. You know, when I remember as a kid, there was a book called Commando. Really short stories, yes. little A5 booklet, yes. pic- pictures, story yep. about, you know, the heroic missions of... Graphic Spitfire. novels, as they're called. Yeah, absolutely so, yeah. Well, the whole idea of this is it's it's a book for busy people. It's a book for people who don't read. The number of people that send me emails that start, I don't read books, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then they say, but I've read this cover to cover. Um there's a guy called Mark Gatiss, who you might have heard of. Mark Gatiss is one of the League of Gentlemen. Mark Gatiss wrote Sherlock for Benedict Cumberbatch and all them. He wrote Dracula. He is he writes Doctor Who. He got given a copy of my books and he read them in a night. And he sent me a message on Twitter saying, This is beautiful. And he just said, and I've had people like Kay Meller, television writers, saying that they think I'm a lovely storyteller, beautiful storyteller, emotional storyteller. And I don't know. I don't know when it happened, right? Because I tell you, I hated English at school, despised it. I didn't even want to do it. English literature, really, right? And now, you know. My I, take, English I take it you wasn't an English teacher then? No. I was, I was, I was, well, I started off with a degree in maths and 
was supposedly a maths teacher, but when you work in special ed, you will be, you really are. You, you've got to do everything. You're all things to all men. So yeah, but I never thought I was going to do this. My, my sister is an English teacher and finds it hilarious that I write books that people adore. And do you know what she's, do you know what she's even done? She's even used some of my short stories for her lessons. Uh, some of the monologues from my books have been used for Lambda exams during lockdown for actors. And um, at one point during during lockdown, my previous book, The Missing Piece, um, there was an actor called Steve Everts who uh, did a film called um, Looking for Eric with Eric Cantona, a Ken Loach film that won at Cannes. Mm-hmm. He, he rang me up and said, do you mind if I record a monologue, one of your monologues, and record it and send it to you? A couple of guys from Game of Thrones, Mark Addy and uh, Ben Crompton, both said, can we record a couple of your monologues? Unbelievable. And so on Twitter, people are recording my monologues and learning them and recording Incredible. And so storytelling, it gets to some strange places if people like it. Absolutely brilliant. Thanks for joining us again, Ian. Absolutely insightful. I love the stories in person. I'm looking forward to reading the, the book and feeding back on that as well. So... Thank you so much. Next week, um, we'll be speaking to Marcus Manheas from NHS England, um, NHS Improvement about the new Learning from Patient Safety Events, LFPSE, another acronym that we need to learn from the NHS. Don't forget to um, rate and subscribe um, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions for our guests, any questions for Ian, then please email us at whatthehealthtech at radarhealthcare.com. Ian, thank you so much. Absolute pleasure.